are back. We are back. Welcome to Match Point number nine of Tennis Bets Podcasts. I am one of three hosts here, David E.J. Berger. You can find our show handle at MP9Tennis on Twitter. If this is your first time listening, chances are that's how you found us. Welcome. Hello. If you're a returning listener, a returning champion, welcome back. We had some winners last time out, so hopefully you hit some of those winners with us. Missing in action once again is Derek. Uh, hopefully he hops on here. Not sure where he's at, but we do have our third guy here in this terrific trio. As I said last time, kind of like the sound of that. Mr. John Reed, you can find him at JR Tweets Tennis on Twitter. He does betting content for his own brand at Tibbetts Tennis. He writes for the Action Network. Betting expert, Hammer HQ. He's doing tennis form recaps as well. John, welcome back. Hey, it's good to be back. This, uh, having a, I'm having a good Indian Wells, so I'm in a pretty good mood. I can't lie. Yes, and truly back uh, for myself as uh, I was out there this weekend at the Indian Wells Tennis Garden. I can still taste the Ace Paloma. It was uh, quite the time. I took my family, and I feel like I I, could have watched more tennis uh, at home. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because of said family uh but it was still good to um to be there being the atmosphere uh we were at stadium one for city pass going down which was great got to watch uh center gasquet the next day i actually watched uh kubler which we'll talk about coming McCubler! up mccubler our guy got to see uh his little tie break win to force that third against dimitrov uh, from stadium one nice little view from stadium one into his court so Got to see Runa walk around the little players area, and I watched his match uh, with Avery Zimmerman from this podcast mm-hmm. on Saturday night. Watched Carlitos on Saturday night. Got to have some solo dad time uh, on Saturday night. So got to bounce around the Baez match, uh, went to Runa, and then went to Carlitos. So pretty great, and also just great to be in a tennis atmosphere and people genuinely excited for the sport. Uh, I think they said... There was a record 45,000 people there during the daytime, and it felt like it. I mean, lines were blown out. And then I overheard with the night session, there was about 58,000 people there uh, on Saturday. Wow. Pretty incredible. I was just going to say, we got great tennis weather here the last couple of days. It's only snowed a few centimeters instead of a few feet. So, I mean, we're pretty much playing tennis up here too, man. <laughs> nice. A loss I had to take was I said we should not have rain, and of course it rained when I was there on Friday. <laughs> uh, my family hit hit out in the uh, Seaborn pop up, the Arctic uh, cruise tour. My kids loved the uh, the the boat they had in there, so that was uh, pretty clutch. And also they had a bar in there, which was great as well. So, <laughs> all right. Well, people are here for the winners, John. As this is a sports betting podcast, we do like to be transparent. So let's talk about what we did last time and what did we win? What did we learn? And a lot more winning than learning this time around. Uh, we had some carryover bets from our first Indian Wells podcast. Martinez Moneyline cashed at at plus 182. Nice dog bomb for us. Team Manorino over 22 and a half, over two and a half sets at plus 130. Cashed at Fushevich against Wolf Moneyline plus 140. Cashed that. Echeverry though, God, goes all the way, but has that bad set to, to not get the games cover and loses at the end to, to Murray. Barrer also uh, wore the worst hat in the history of tennis uh, in his <laughs> loss to Jack Sock on, uh, on Thursday as well. But those are only two, because guess what? We had a near golden podcast for, for round two. Rinky had Jakarta plus four and a half. Oh, no, this was still round one, actually. This was our late round one. Uh, Rinky Hachikata plus four and a half, plus one and a half sets 
against Emer, cash it. Kubler, Dimitrov, over two and a half, plus 150, cash that. I also had the plus three and a half, I believe, cash that. Daniel, plus three and a half, plus one and a half cents against Berrettini, cash it. Fokina, money line, cash that. Tabilo, or as we're calling him now, Tastilo, because the guy oh, is, it. he's battle tested. You can't, you can test metal, but you can't break it. All right. And he did that. <laughs> not just against Cressy here for us, uh, but he did it last night. Uh, John wrote it up for Action Network, I believe, against Thompson. I played it as well, so that was pretty great. And then Rusevori, money line against RBA, was a great call for John at plus 130. Rublev for Derek at minus 2.5 gets the cover against Laheshka. And then I, I mentioned to Stilo, we have another nickname um, that John would like to uh, to mention off the heels of the last few days here at Indian Wells. Alex Deming, Deming, uh, Deming, oh God, I can't remember. Just, I wanted to take a victory lap over Alex Demonauer not being good on slow courts. I said it, I called that. It wasn't on the episode with Derek. So that was on the episode with Avery. I think we, the other guys more so, I'm not sure if it was both of you, but Avery, all I know is everyone's like, well, you know, he's got the grinding style. Maybe he's starting to figure out. I was like, nah, no, three shitty wins and two Decent wins against one guy that was cramping. Do not make a good slow court player. And damn, I didn't fade him early enough. I was waiting to fade him and I waited too freaking long. He's out. He sucks. Goodbye. Back to Australia or I guess Miami. Point is, I wanted a victory lap on that. And one other thing um, in the what, what we learned section. I learned that if you like a dog and you think they should be priced much closer to evens or even as a favorite, pull the trigger on a higher stakes bet. Do not, in the past, it was just always one unit or a half unit for me on dog money lines. If you like it and the and the value is there, in other words, the price is far enough off, don't be concerned that it's going to lose at, at a decent clip. Stop, like get out of that mindset. Take advantage of a misprice where you can. I had a unit and a half on Pedro Martinez, and then I had two and a half units on plus one and a half sets against Kuzler. He was a dog there. I'm losing that more than I'm winning it, most likely, at least according to the market. No, you've got to take advantage of those misprices. Same went for Tabilo. That was a two-unit dog play for my write-up with Action Network against, pardon me, against Thompson. But the one we mentioned on the pod, a one-unit play against Cressy because of the volatility there. But last night, he should have been a favorite, not a dog. You've got to take advantage of those. Go bigger on dog MLs. If the situation calls for it. Sorry, that's it. I love it. And I believe you were going to call demon, demon fraud. That's it. I just couldn't, you know, I've only had two (laughs) copies today. So the brain's not working yet. Brain's not, brain's not up to stuff yet. I I try to avoid, uh, you know, trashing uh, players when I can. uh, But, you know, when I, after that Acapulco (laughs) win, I might've called it a clown title, but that, I mean, was in our our chat. Uh, I guess I just put it out in the public uh, uh, airwaves. That's what you have me for. I am not afraid <laughs> to dunk and, and trash players, even though they beat the crap out of me because I suck. I don't care. I'll still call them garbage if I if I if I think they are. And I think I don't think Demon's garbage is a player. I mean, let's okay, let's get away from the exaggeration. But uh, yeah, on slow courts, he is not as good as the market had priced him up, uh, and I failed to capitalize. But I'm happy that I was ready. All right, now with us, uh, we are a complete trio. Derek has joined the show. Derek, uh, welcome. Yeah, sorry for the late arrival. How many uh, McCluber screams did I miss? Just one. Just oh, one so far. McCoobler. <laughs> There's two. But you didn't miss that one. Yeah, no, uh, thanks for uh, showing up. Uh, I'm, I'm thanking myself now for showing up. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I missed some bets. It seems like I was like not on a podcast that's been hitting on all cylinders. And the bets that I've just been making that the pod uh, we didn't cover 
as of yesterday and the day before. It's like, dude, I was missing these like minus 130, minus 140 money line bets with, with Kekmanovic and freaking hatching off yesterday. Dude, that was real fun for me. But yeah, no stoke to be back on. Fucking find some more bets that we can uh, lay down. Yeah, I did put on the timeline uh, and reply to a tweet to uh, Kale Hammond uh, that I was liking Kashmanovich uh, money line at minus one thirty on Saturday, and then Baez. So I went one and one, one and one there. Kashmanovich though choked away three set points, uh, which were essentially match points because I think for both sides in the end, hmm. <laughs> because yeah, uh, really I don't think either side was climbing back in that one. It was really hot on Saturday. And, uh, yeah. but I mean, what a terrible loss for Kashmanovich. By the way, what an ultimate. Fa- I mean, we should have been fading this guy along the way. This guy stinks right now. Like, he had that little Delray run, but besides that, he's done nothing for quite some time. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of hype going on um, just from his performance last year, the Sunshine Swing. So, yeah. It's been a full sorry, year since he's double. It's been a full year since he's really done anything. It sucks. I, and it sucks too because I really like him as a player. But oh my, it's getting to the point where it's. I've actually been betting him less than I did last year, so uh, I've been good on that front. I just got sucked in on this one, and I didn't just bet him. It was my first max of the year. Bright side is I still profited on the day. The downside is you can't lose to you can't if you're a slow court player in a clay quarter lose to fat chubby old Stan Vavrinka on a slow hard court. You can't do it. You have you can't. You have to win that match. He wins that match, and it's like another twelve-unit day. It would have been like just a, an unreal amount of money for a three-day stretch. But I'll take the I'll take the positive day, even though uh, I lost the the max play. But frustrating stuff from Kichmanovich. Yeah, and Stan looked gassed. Uh, I'll report that as someone who was there live in person. I mean, I was like, just get this set. You're going to win yeah. this match. And and the way he lost the set was the was more frustrating than the three set points he mm-hmm. lost because it was like it was a, a point to stay alive in the set behind his serve. He's dominated the point. It's a ball in the service box that floats up into the air and sits for an overhead that he's just like, I'm gonna smash this a foot long. Like, <sighs> what are you doing, man? That was a popular court, though. People were definitely excited to watch them some Lorinka. So that was that was pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, I was uh, annoyed by that. I was like, "Shut up and stop giving this freaking old man life. Just let him suck." All right. Well, let's move it on to the tennis that's yet to uh, be played here, and uh, I wanted to touch base on the updated outrights as we still have a little bit of this tournament left. Uh, so some some numbers still out there that I think are worth talking about. Uh, Alcaraz is still plus two hundred on DraftKings just to reach the final. I don't know if you saw Carlos play on Saturday night, but he looked great and made quick work of Kakanakis and plus 200 to just make the final. I mean, that's hard to find a better <laughs> bet out there for Indian Wells, if you ask me. Still four to one to win this thing, so down a bit from the six to one. Fritz is down to 10 to one, so if you had anything in the 20 range, uh, you're feeling pretty good. Nori. Rublev uh, are going to play tomorrow. Nori's still at 16 to 1, Rublev at 11 to 1 and it's it's not a pick'em line. Rublev is minus 145, plus 120, but you have to think looking at I should have brought up their quarter prices. But I mean if you like the the Nori side, I, I think d- double down here, get Nori plus 120 tomorrow and then also bet his uh, quarter price uh, because this is it. <laughs> Since he is gone on the bottom of the bracket, um, so you're going to be in pretty good shape. Uh, oh, John's waving his finger. Well, who do we got here? Oh, uh, Tiafo. I'm sitting on a 
Yeah, I'm on a plus 550 Frank, uh, Frankie Tiafo ticket. Um, Frankie's not even shorter than Francis. I don't know why I did that. But uh, <laughs> look, it's he's he's been and I don't mean like he's not a slow court player. I mean, he went he does well in S3. He, he has enough spin on to his game when he wants to play with it. He's got enough power to hit through the courts. He moves well and he got he has good court coverage. He's an all court player. But his best results have come U.S. Open, Australian Open in the past. Like his first big breakthrough, I believe, at a slam was making that second week of the Australian Open years ago. He like it's no doubt. There's no doubting that he holds like 90 percent of the time on quick courts, that his forehand is just stupid good on quick courts. But make no mistake, he's good on slow courts. I've watched both his matches now. He looks stupid good. Like, OK, he gets to 1530 sometimes when his opponent redlines and, and makes two insane shots. And then he just goes immediately to 4030. Like he's mentally, he's there. He's not phased by great shots. He's not facing almost any pressure on serve right now. His forehand is popping and the crowd is behind him. Watch out, man. I've got a, I've got a quarter four ticket um, with Tiafo's name on it at plus 550. I'm loving it. And honestly, the other part to that is when you take your quarter tickets, there's two things you want to look at for value. One, the implied probabilities versus your percentages. And two, the rollover. His rollover in the first round, which uh, in his first match didn't matter because I took it after his first match, after Sitsi Pass lost. Still got a plus 550. That 365 is plus 300, so it shows you the discrepancy. To his rollover number, it was uh, uh, minus 400 in his second round match, or third round match. He's now minus 400 again against Tabilo. Once Sitsi Pass went out, how on earth did, did, did Unibet leave that number up in the that plus 550 range? I don't know. But the fact is... Um, even against Rublev or Nori, he's not going to be more than plus 150. So just in that alone, intrinsically, there is value in that ticket, whether he wins it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, just because he's, you could bet his money line each match and not come close to getting that plus 550. So something else to factor in when you look at your outrights uh, is to try and path or chart a path through even, and always use the most, the toughest pass through where he'll have, you know, his prices will be cheapest. And then if you can still get a better number on the outright, you found a good bet. So you got the the semifinal bet is basically what you're banking in on, right? Him to reach the semifinal at plus five fifty, yeah. But I can, yeah. I don't know if I can hedge that much because I think Nori That's and was... Rublev are both going to be favorites. Yeah, but I, they won't, I don't think they'll be monster favorites. Minus two hundred, I've got um, five five units, five and a half units to work with in prop potential profit. So I have room to work in if they're only minus one forty, or yeah. if Tiapo plays another dynamite <laughs> match against Tabilo, right? If he plays out of his mind. And opens minus, you know, the let's say Rublev opens minus 200. Nori opens minus 200. And Tiafo's stormed through. His server's looking good. He's in form. He's got the crowd. And people just start betting on narrative. And he gets down to minus 140. Or sorry, they get down to minus 140. That's an easy hedge. There's lots of room to, to secure profit. So there's, there's different ways to go about this. I'm on Bovada now. And Tiafo is plus 175. For the quarter, yeah. so you're sitting pretty, John, with that uh, plus yeah. five fifty. Nori though, plus and- two twenty five, so he's even short. I mean, a, a little bit longer than Big Foe. So the word well, is out. Yeah, because Foe is live. Well, because look at look at the the prices. If you take Nori this match on the money line, the next match on the money line, which is the fourth round and quarter final, his price is going to be a lot, or the the payoff would be a lot higher than if you took Tiafo this match and next match. Because Tiafo's minus four hundred here, right? So his price for the quarter has to be lower than Cam Norrie's, who's a dog uh, in, in the fourth round. All right. Well, way to use logic and math, John. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh, a couple other numbers here, or just one other I have is uh, Holger Runa is still 16 to one uh, to win this whole thing. And uh, certainly 
um, has a lot of tennis ahead of him. He's going to, you know, have to beat center, going to have to beat Fritz, uh, and then, you know, outlast uh, Carlitos uh, at some point. Um, but uh, at 16 to 1, I mean, I, th- I think he's probably the longest shot still on the board of the the true contenders for this thing, unless you're into like a Fokina or someone like that. Um, uh, but that's still out there. So I thought I'd, I'd mention that one. Maybe something decent to have in pocket here uh, come this weekend. All right, well, let's move into our round four best bets here. And this is a good one because we've got a both sides are coming on or uh, a both sides uh, bet to talk about here. I like Martone Fucevic money line. It's down to minus 140 in places. I have minus 145 against Alex uh, Molchana. And it's definitely a surprise to see both of these players here at this stage of the tournament, especially Fucevic, who was down a set and then a break in the third against JJ Wolf. But I think that perseverance that helped him survive that match will come in handy against the hot Molchan, who can be erratic. Uh, Fuchs only had three unforced errors against Demonor. And wow, and which, I mean, I think that's, and granted, Demon not the best hardcore player, uh, but certainly someone that can uh, hang in a rally and, and is looking to bring out those unforced errors. So a pretty clean match from Fuchovic. And while Molchan has been pretty clean for him so far, plus five uh, winner, unforced error ratio against Ramos and only minus three, Versus Chorich, uh, I think he's likely to lead the way in that category. Uh, with the winners being relatively even, neither have these got neither of these guys have been particularly great at winning points on second serve. Uh, but I think Fuchs more likely to get more first serves in. Uh, plus, I always have in the back of my mind, always have in the back of my mind the twenty twenty two AO match between Molchan and Andujar when the older veteran just kept extending the rally to let Molchan cook himself a bit. Uh, I think we see a bit of that here. Potentially, the price is coming down. Like I said, with Fuchovic, Molchan is a sexy dog, and and John's about to uh, come in hot on the dog side. But I'll, I'll back the favorite here. Yeah, I, I gotta go with I gotta go with Alex Molchan here. If I'm gonna take two guys who don't have a ton of weapon weaponry in their arsenal, it's kind of similar to the Hijikata uh, Emer play. It was kind of similar of those who follow me on the timeline. I had Martina Trevisan against Madison Brangle. You bet Trevisan on a hard court, yeah, because it's two pushers. They're going to play a lot of long rallies. It's going to be a 50-50 contest. And in 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 reality, Trevisan is one that plays with more spin, which is rewarded here on these courts, right? She ends up winning in three, dominant three sets, five, seven, and two absolutely lopsided sets, but goes through three as expected. She wins as, 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 I, was, as, as I was hoping, undervalued. Same thing went for Hijikata. Similar kind of thing here where Molchan has found his range. He's always preferred slower surfaces. He's looked a little bit better this year, maybe not uh, in in on the quicker courts in Australia, but Davis Cup on a fairly quick court in the Netherlands. Hostile environment uh, really pushed. I believe he was the one that pushed Tim Van Rijthoven, um in that matchup. I had Van Rijthoven too. I was like sweating my balls off on that one. Molchan looked a bit better. Of course, he's he's a natural clay quarter, plays with more spin than Fuchsvik's does. That is something that will be rewarded on these courts. I think, you know, again, two guys, from the baseline with even match with even games, I'm fine uh, taking the dog. Finally, Fukshevik's not like he's more of a quick quarter, right? Where his game plays up more, but he's still got that physical ability from the baseline. He's not had a ton of success on slower courts in his career. Molchan does come from a clay court background, and Fukshevik's has beaten JJ Wolf barely. He, tr- he lost the first set bad. He was trailing in the third set. I was look, I was on him in that match. I know that I got lucky with that ticket. Uh, and JJ Wolf is a quick quarter who needs qu- uh, shorter points because he hits a ton of errors. 
And that's an, and what ended up happening. Okay, and then you beat like Alex Demonor. Well, you already know what, what I think about Demonor on slow courts. <laughs> it's a good win. It's you know yes, is he's Demonor is probably still better than Molchan, but he played like crap. He's he was coming off a title and. Uh, Fuchs was there to take advantage. I don't put a lot of stock into that either. Molchan has beaten two guys decent on slow courts, at least historically. Uh, Chorich hasn't shown much at all since his injury, but beating Chorich by six games is a plus 280. I got him plus 280. He was plus 250, plus 260 most places. Six game win is a, that kind of dog. Still impressive nonetheless, um, especially since he's a lefty. And that, you know, someone asked me, is this a lefty versus righty angle? Because that's often what I look for. And I said, no, because Chorich's backhand is his stronger wing. So even without that matchup edge, Molchan still found a way to consistently apply pressure and win that match. And then, of course, he beat Ramos Vignolas, who's more of a clay quarter, but on slow courts that are higher bounce and that reward a little bit of clay kind of play. He beat him by seven games, again, as an underdog in that matchup. The reason why I bring that up, I'm not a huge trend better. I don't think he wins today because he's an underdog and he, you know, he did in the last two matches. What it tells me though is the market is undervaluing Molchan, right? He was underdog against Ramos, beat the crap out of him. Underdog against Charge, beat the crap out of him. Fuchsvix has done the same thing, but against two guys who aren't natural slow quarters like the guys Molchan beat. And now again, Molchan is an underdog on a slow court. Like I said, that tells me the market has yet to price him up properly, yet to understand his game. And as a result, there's certainly uh, an edge to be exploited. So that's why I've gone for Alex Molchan. Yeah, Alex Molchan, dude, he's such a freaking unpredictable player to me. I don't really know what the heck he's ever doing. It seems like he doesn't even reasonably have a game plan. And that's what makes it hard to bet what what he's at minus or plus 123 right now. Dave, I don't know what you got him in at, but plus 123, I almost want to go with Dave and take the minus 150. I just think that Vucevic is a more like accomplished player and yeah. Okay. He beat demon hour on a bad day. I think I'm going to be the only one that defends your boy Dima fraud over here. <laughs> um, I think John's going to like fly over here and I'll just beat me up at my doorstep just because I even gave demon <laughs> some sort of positive light. Um, but still it's like, yeah, he was probably exhausted. He didn't play very well in that match. So that's, uh, I still think that you have to go around and play this, this character that just doesn't really also doesn't seem to like have a game plan. He just kind of runs around the court, fetches balls. Molchan doesn't really do that, but then he just got this weird shot selection. And, um, there's just a lot of variety that you just don't really expect. So, um, yeah, I still think that Fucevic can handle Molchan in the very end. So minus 150, it's kind of pricey, but I, I still think that's the winning ticket on this side. I mean, I will say that the minus 150, uh, I wasn't super in love, but now that it's down to like minus 140 on like that online and John has seen, well, it's minus 145, but, and John has seen some minus 140s. I mean, that's now to John's credit, I mean, maybe the market was a bit off on Molchan and we have seen some, some bad mispricings on them so far. Um, but that said, I, I just, I can't back Molchan. <laughs> not, not, I had a tweet. Um, I was like, when I, when I find, when I've given up on Molchan, this is what he's playing. Like, and I posted and now- a, a gif of uh, Djokovic winning the Wimbledon. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? Now you just haven't, you know, for 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 people who believe in the the jinxes and whatnot, you haven't just stopped believing in him. You're actively betting against him. Now I'm tempted to go hit Molchan two nothing 
to win this. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I, it's not a bad way. I mean, I, I like your angles, though, if you do like the Maltrian side uh, of not just, you know, settling for the money line, looking for other ways to attack it at bigger odds. I think that's a pretty smart way to play. All right. Another match uh, that's today. Again, I'm going to do a quick edit on this. So once again, sorry for a little more ums and breaths on these pods. But John, uh, we have to talk about this one because you are the ultimate Murray fader. And yet, and yet, I believe you are backing Andy Murray tonight versus Jack Draper. Uh, Not just on this podcast, but you have a tout uh, that you were professionally paid to write. Uh, so I would love to hear your thoughts on this one as someone who's going against his own instinct uh, in this match. Okay, so let me first establish my Andy Murray fader bona fides by recalling back to last round where I initially was fading Andy Murray before Pablo Carreño Booster withdrew, which probably saved me some money because you don't want to be backing guys that are on the borderline of withdrawing anyway, right? I Let's face it, that was nice. And then he plays Radu Albot, where it was like, okay, minus four is not enough. It closed, by the way, it opened minus four and a half, got hammered by someone who took Albot plus four and a half, and then the market, I got the four, and then about an hour, two hours later, it went right back to four and a half. But I got the four at a standard, like, minus 110 juice. That was wrong. That was wrong, 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 wrong. And it's not just because the result proved me right, but the way that match played out, Murray just... He wasn't converting break points. Otherwise, that could have been a two and three match. So I had to play Murray. Now, again, want to fade him? I can't fade him against Jack Draper. Jack Draper did not look good last round against Dan Evans. But he won 6-4-6-2. Yeah. And he still took two hours to do that. When's the last time you saw 6-4-6-2 take two hours? Dan Evans had 11 break points. And it wasn't one of those matches where, again, context needed. It wasn't one of those matches where he had nine break points in one game and failed to break. Okay. He had 11 break points spread out over four Jack Draper service games. That doesn't sound like a lot till you consider the, the fact that Jack Draper only had nine service games in that match, right? Um, Dan Evans just sucks on slow courts. His backhand slice isn't effective, and he's piss poor out of form anyway. And you still, that was a closer match than it should have been. Not necessarily scoreline-wise, but how it played out. Two, Jack Draper's serve and back a serve and forehand aren't as strong on these courts as they are elsewhere. He doesn't have the big lefty game into the backhand edge because Murray's got and always has had one of the more solid backhands out there. Three, he, he you need point construction on these courts, okay? He cannot hit through these courts as you showed against Evans, and he really struggled to show any kind of, like, tactical play. It was just a lot of cross-court, cross-court, and then random changes of direction or random um, approaches or random drop shots when Evans wasn't even you know, off to the out out in the outer thirds of the court or way back behind the baseline. And he missed a lot of those into net. He's just, I don't think he's tactically there yet. And now he's playing one of the better defenders and grinders from the baseline there ever has been in Andy Murray. And Murray's had a day off between matches. Like if you're going to back Andy Murray, the, the, the second best place to do it is at a grand slam where he has a day off between all of his matches. The best place to do it is at Indian Wells or Miami where it's, he has a day off, and he still only has to win two sets. He doesn't have to play best of five. It's best of both worlds. Then you get into the fact that it's at night where it gets even slower. I, I can't, I cannot, like, I'd love to see Draper win. I'm a big fan of Draper's, and I can't stand Andy Murray, but you, you, I got to play the numbers here. I can't play the heart. Uh, so if I lose, fine. Uh, I lose my one and a half units, and Andy Murray is gone. I can take solace in that. If I win, I make money, and I can deal with having to watch Andy Murray for another match. 
I feel like there's a silver lining. Glass half, glass, the glass is always half full one way or the other. And it's half empty one way or the other. But I'm going to go with half full. Yeah, the thing about Draper, and you know, we've talked about this podcast uh, before, for a guy who is a serve guy, he gets or he lets guys get real deep into his serve and he has to come back to hold. And you cannot do that on these these courts. Uh, so I, I and especially with a returner like Andy Murray, who is, I mean, let's face it, he's got something going. <laughs> I mean, you know, as much as, uh, you know, you want to metal hip him or, you know, crush him for, for, for being an older guy and maybe overachieving, uh, he is, he is overachieving. So, uh, I think that, uh, yeah, Murray, I mean, getting back on the Murray side, uh, to me is, is a smart play here. Derek, what do you think? I'm in on Murray as well. I'm, I'm not super confident in it, but dude, at dog odds against Draper, who I don't think is all that great at this tournament this week. So I, I'm going to stick with him here. And another reason why is uh, I usually just dog him because he's tired. Like what John was saying, he gets a day break. And even so, that guy had to actually win a match in two sets uh, for the very first time since like October uh, he's <laughs> it's crazy though like he always goes three at least since October but um, overall dude, if you're getting odds like that and he, I don't know I, I'm gonna stick with Murray like that that's pretty good dog odds I think that's more of like a pickup match I mean and if it is a, a classic three set three hour plus Murray marathon uh, Draper will not survive that I mean, just well. yeah. There, that's the other thing too—the physicality. It's not the sun's not out, but it's not hot anyway. There, like overly. I guess it does get up there, but it's not like Miami a humidity. By the way, we'll talk about that when we get to Miami. I'll be fading Draper frequently on relatively slow courts and in humid, humid conditions. He melts. Um, but again, you don't need the heat and, and humidity to wear a guy that frequently cramps down. Like he's still at where Holgaruna was at, like last year, right? Two years ago, Draper was one of the worst. Um, in terms of stamina you'll ever see it, it got better last year but he's still not close to atp tour average when it comes to stamina and ability to play those long ones so that's another great point all right well let's move on to uh tomorrow unless there's any other matches today um i don't think so in, in terms of getting this out and uh anyone have anything they want to talk about in terms of today okay uh, no no yeah sorry just draper yep. yeah just go tommy paul even though this this is not going to come out in time. Did he consolidate? Because <laughs> I know he broke. Uh, I don't know. I haven't, don't even have it on yet. It's that deuce. <laughs> Terrible Tommy uh, Paul fan I am. Hubie has uh, another. He's got a second break point here. Come on, Tommy. Damn it, Tommy. <sighs> Frustrating. Anyway. Uh, all right. Tomorrow, Christian Garin is taking on Alejandro Davidovich Fokina. And I like Green over 11 and a half games at minus 120. Uh, I'm not here to overvalue the Rude win for Green because Rude has been pretty stinky and who knows what it takes to beat him at this point. Uh, <laughs> a lot of players are probably live to beat Rude right now. But the fact remains, he hit 39 winners in two sets, which is pretty good, and added five aces too on these slower courts. Uh, and we don't really think of him as, as an ace guy. He hasn't dropped a set in five matches here, including qualies. 
He has a win against Fokina in 2020 on clay in a Santiago run where he was in form, much like he is now. He took Fokina to three on an indoor hard in Antwerp in 2021. I think he's live to win the match here, and I'll take advantage of the low total for his games here. I want to bet the plus one and a half sets, uh, which isn't out yet uh, as well. Um, Fokina needs two attempts to close a screen door, let alone a, a tennis match. <laughs> he um, was broken uh, serving it out yesterday against uh, Hachanov. Uh, I think Green again is live to win a match, and I'll, I'll take a shot on his his uh, total games for the match here on the over. Yeah, the reason why I really like that one. Uh, and by the way, I don't think it'd be overvaluing the rude win at all. I think. Look, Rude played pretty decently. The forehand was the biggest shot on the court. The way Garim came around that, though, and the way he game planned and tactically was ready for it was incredible. His serve, he won like 88, or at least through the first half of the second set, had won 80% of his first serve points. He's landing them. He's got power behind it that you don't expect from Christian Garin. And uh, more importantly, he um, the backhand wing was incredible. He had the advantage of the backhand wing. He had He was attacking with it. And it was far superior to Rude's that he constantly leaves short. Rude was just uninspiring. Um, but Garin also, one, played well, and two, uh, t- tactically was ready for that matchup. So it, I, I actually would put some some stock in that, especially considering he did the same thing in the match prior as well. Uh, so the form is there, and he's got a game plan that's working well. Davidovich Akina throws sets away, too, all the time. And if you get to three sets, it would be really tough not to win um, an over 11 and a half. With with Garin because he's got to have at least six just from one set alone, right? So he'd have to be absolutely stomped in the other two, which is entirely possible with the way ADF plays. But I I like that more than the ML two just because ADF looked looked really strong in that Hachinov match, dude. That we you know we talked about this in the chat. That cross court backhand was just unreal. Yeah. Uh, in controlling points, the forehand wasn't as big as Hachinov's, but he still found winners on that wing by hitting. Um, you know, hitting inside out, working the outer thirds. I thought he was pretty strong in that regard. It's a matchup of two very, very good players. Uh, sorry, two very, very informed players. Garin's not been very good in quite some time, but two informed players, each with their own uh, kind of attributes that they bring to this matchup. I think a close match is, is something I wouldn't be uh, wouldn't wouldn't be surprised at either. Okay, so I'm the person that's just been the guy to fade, and I was thinking, I was like, dude, you got to take Hatch. I mean, you got to take Fokina after. Me watching him play hatching off yesterday and that cross court backhand, like you were saying, dude, was driving me insane watching that with my hatching off money line bet. And it's like every single time they get in a rally, hatching off's trying to keep that thing on the forehand side, and sometimes he just gets pressured. And then he had to hit that thing to his backhand. And then once that backhand cross court hit, holy crap, dude, hatching off was stretching for every single one of those, and he could not get a good contact on any of those whatsoever and so then i was thinking I was like dude davidovich Hokina is just gonna freaking torch gary and Garin's not hasn't been playing like a guy that has like that that much power he's kind of been playing guys that just um are just like baseline returners just like uh what nishioka um casper rude and then so then i'm thinking he's not going to be ready for um, for Davidovich Fokina, but then if you look at Davidovich Fokina, I mean, he's only played Wu and and Hatchinoff, uh, two guys that kind of just go around and slug forehands. So neither of them are going to be ready. 
Um, I would take <laughs> freaking um, Davidovich Fokina, but dude, I've been wrong so many times. I've lost all sort of confidence, so I'm going to stick with you guys on this one and take the money line with Gary. I don't think that's a bad bet, the way that these courts are working. Oh, you're going full money line. Yeah, I mean, why not, right? I like it. Well, like I said, I, I would prefer a plus one and a half sets uh, bet with the green. Uh, yeah. I, I don't have a line on that yet. Um, the over two and a half also is something I would be kind of interested in. Um, but, you know, what if green sneaks us out in streets randomly? Um, so, yeah, that's I, I like the over games for green and a plus one and a half sets. What do you guys have? for tomorrow so, anything jumping off to you the mother the minus one and a half or plus one and a half sets pardon me uh minus 150 pinnacle minus 150 unibet uh, i'm pretty sure that's just going to be how it's painted across the board for american listeners let me go over to bookmaker real fast uh and see what they have posted they have all their markets up so it's there uh it is set handicap about minus 145-ish, so or just under. So about minus 140 to minus 150 um, across different uh, different books. Certainly like the minus one and a half sets. Certainly like the minus 140 more than the minus 150, but... Uh... <laughs> Is that how that works? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I still, the minus 150, I, I, I don't think that's a bad price at all. I think he's pretty likely to get a set. All right. Does anyone else have anything for tomorrow? I feel like these lines are are pretty efficient uh mm-hmm. and we're and we're getting <laughs> with, with less matches comes more efficiency especially with how the 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 bracket is breaking down here you have and big names too right big names books have more knowledge on and they know the styles they know the data it's tougher it's like the, the late stages of the grand slam can be really tough to pick through value wise what do you think about the tiafo minus four against okay. tabilo I'm kind of digging it, and that's our boy yep. Tostilo. So, I mean, the guy is obviously uh, made of uh, metal that is tough to bend or break <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so far is- this, this tournament. But, uh, yeah, I mean, as John has alluded to several times, uh, Tiafo has been ripping. Yeah, I was going to so say, far. what material is Tiafo made out of? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but, I mean, I-, I tell you what's really uh, stuck with me is Medvedev post his match yesterday just talking about how you know these longer rallies anyone could win Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know like both players could be hitting great shots or one side could be hitting great shots uh more than the other side and the other side still win just because uh, when you get that deep into a rally anything can happen so zvera plus four is minus 105 i don't think that's all that bad either against medvedev I yeah. actually kind of disagree. I mean, I, I would be interested in laying the games with Med. Uh, the only way that Zverev has a chance in that match is if he red lines on serve. That's it. Mm. And, and he's got two things working against him with that, which, which is the court speed and the fact that Medvedev is a, a good returner for big servers uh, with his placement on the court. So, But he could. Uh, again, he could red line, get to a tie break, get to a 7-5 in uh, a set. Uh, so that scares me for the four. Um, if it was three and a half, three, I, I would be a lot more interested. 
So here's why I think this one's a tough one to talk about in terms of actually playing. You could look at this either way, and I think both sides actually have a case. Uh, I'll both sides this one on my own. I don't need, we, you know, we don't need different hosts on different sides, which you already have. I'll, I'll agree with both of you in a way um, on this one because you can approach this from the angle that Medvedev is just better at everything than, than Alex Zverev. They both have strong first serves. They both, you know, probably pref- like have ste- really steady backhands. Um, they both have forehands that when they get a short ball, they'll attack, but it can get a little wonky. It's not their fate. It's not their best shot. Uh, they both grind from five feet behind the baseline. Very similar games. Medvedev's just one better at it and two in great form compared to Zverev building back from injury. The flip side of that is they play the same game. Like, is there really four games between them, especially when you know Medvedev hates these courts and is complaining and can be can be absolutely stubborn? He knows he's like, we're going to see a lot of long rallies in that match. He said it in his on-court interview. And he gets annoyed. And when he gets annoyed, we saw that in the second set against Ivashka, he starts spraying errors. And then, he, then he's, you know, throwing a thumbs up after every point at the tournament officials. Uh, like, I- ironically. Then he's screaming about hard courts and you're lying and these are clay courts and... I don't know, man. I just don't know if I want to lay the games there. So I, I get it. He's He's got all the things that Zverev does, but he does them better. So where does Zverev find an edge? But at the same time, they do the same thing. Med can get a little bit uh, unstuck mentally. And is does that, in, in that case, is he four games better? I think it's actually lined right. I think four games is, if you give me four and a half or five, I'm like, okay, this is getting excessive now for a guy that does all the same things uh, or tries to do the same things as Daniil Medvedev. But um, at four, it's like, I mean, seven, five, seven, five is a nice close match and you're not cashing on four, like you're pushing. So, um, maybe the over might be the better look. If you think Medvedev might come unstuck mentally, uh, or, and you think that Zverev can keep it close with his serve, the over is probably the better look than taking the games. I like that a lot. Uh, do we, I mean, we both, or we all just talked about, uh, passing on Rublev Nori because, uh, I mean, if you have a strong take on that match, uh, good for you. <laughs> I certainly do not. I mean, yeah. Rublev has been really tough for me, although we did uh, all win on him yesterday, which was great. Um, but Nori obviously been one of the more informed players at 23. Rublev is trending up after trending down for a long stretch. Uh, I mean, you you would think the over is something to to maybe look at. What is the plus two and a half sets in that match? Hold on one second. Plus one and a half sets? Uh, plus two, over two and a half sets. Over two and a half sets. Sorry, over oh, okay. two and a half sets. The over two and a half sets is... Wow, these cowards don't even have it up for me. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, <laughs> let's see here. I think Unibet has all their lines up and they always spread that market. So they have a plus 140. I got a plus 140 at Pinnacle, plus 132 at Unibet. So you're likely to see a plus 135 at some of those American books is what I would guess. Somewhere between those two books. In their history, Rublev leads 2-1. He had a a three-set win at the USO. So he won in straights at the US Open last year. Nori won in 21 at San Diego before the October edition of Indian Wells uh, in three sets against Rublev. And then Rublev won in 2020 at uh, St. Petersburg, a little quicker conditions. He kind of uh, beat the crap out of him, 6-2, 6-1, that end of the calendar year. 
indoor tournament. Yeah, tough one. Tough matches here. I wish people tuned in <laughs> for these 10-unit guaranteed winners, but I have to say tomorrow does not really <laughs> offer that. Uh, no. But uh, we have had some plays so far, and uh, I think a fun discussion of the tournament. Any, any I mean, this is going to be a great uh, day to watch. Yeah, yeah. Yep, lots of good stuff. Yeah. In terms of any last thoughts, uh, I will say, Tommy Paul gets broken back when he's up a break and then absolutely easily holds the next couple service games and in a way that only Tommy Paul <laughs> can do. Up a break, struggling. Struggling with the serve. Hey, Not up a break and trailing, mm -hmm. 40 love. 40 hey. or hold the love. Hold the 15. <laughs> yeah, he's Mr. Consistent, man. Yeah, consistently inconsistent, right? Uh huh. Yeah, that's still <laughs> consistent. I was like, you know, I was worried about betting Andy Murray minus four against Radu Albot because we all know that Radu Albot owns a top 20 player like Tommy Paul. <laughs> oh, Tommy, Tommy, Tommy. Most embarrassing loss of all time in Tommy Paul's career, dude. It's got to be up there. I'm going to go out on a limb. And I'm going to say Tiafo 2-0 minus 130 against Tabilo. I'm going to play that. I think just Big remember Fo if 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 he's in the lead and blows it, we can't get mad. We can't tilt because we know he's Tostilo, so we know it's coming. I, I, uh, did I just fade Tostilo? Shit. I don't know. Like, if you guys didn't have a nickname for this guy, <laughs> would you guys be that like <laughs> bullish on Tabilo? <laughs> I mean, he's made no, made us money, so I, it's hard to like. I mean, Tiago's made you money in the past too, but it's like, uh, I know if uh, his name didn't rhyme with steel. What if it was? <laughs> like, it's a good like, point. What Derek. if his name, yeah, like rhymed with anything else, like rust or something? You know, <laughs> a lower tier metal. Oh man! Anyway, sorry, interrupted your head. A lower tiered metal. How dare you? Uh, uh, it was just, it's a what if. <laughs> it's a good point, Derek. Uh, I I mean, look, look, Tabilo, you know, he beat Cressy, he beat Thompson, uh -huh. two serve guys who don't offer a ton otherwise. And these are clay court conditions. And he's the <laughs> more proper clay quarter. Uh, Tiafo, obviously, in a different class than Tabilo, who prior to this tournament, I mean, he didn't even have a good golden swing. So. Yeah, I, I I feel pretty good about Tiafo not dropping a set to this guy. Okay, I'm with you now. Glad all right, well, come around. All right, guys. Well, I'm sorry that we don't have a, a ton of analysis uh, with all of these matches, but wanted to to hop back in and, and give something uh, to the to the audience as we have been been growing and we appreciate it. If you've made it here and you, you like what you heard, give us a, a, a follow, a subscribe. You can find at you can find our show handle at MP9 Tennis on Twitter. You can find John at JR Tweets Tennis at Tibbets Tennis. You can find Derek at Ferrer versus Nicole. Until next time, see you on the court. <laughs>